Well, hello everyone. This is Coach Junker of South St. Paul Girls Basketball. As always, I'm joined by South St. Paul Boys Basketball Coach Matthew McAllister, and you are listening to the In-Season Podcast, where every week, Coach Mack and myself pull back the curtain of our programs and discuss the day-to-day, week-to-week, and long-term process of building a competitive basketball program. Thank you so much for listening, and without further ado, here is this week's episode. All right, Packer fans, it is time for another episode of the In-Season Podcast. This is Coach Junker, joined with the recent conference champion, Coach McAllister. How are we doing? Doing well. A uh, little sleep deprived this time of year. Um, it's been quite the run, but but I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. If you're looking at the sprint to the finish line, I don't think anybody has had to sprint more distance in a shorter period of time than your squad. Uh, just just to kind of recap where we are, this is Wednesday morning, March 10th. 10th. Yeah. And we are right. a day away from concluding our regular season. And in the last eight days since our last podcast, you've played five games. And every night I feel like I text you and I say, good win, coach. <laughs> and uh, you text me and you're like, thanks. And then I'm tired. Yeah. Yes. So everybody in the state right now is is pushing to that finish line. And right. everybody with the construction of the schedule is in a condensed stage trying to fit in these final games and trying to push towards that postseason. And for for you guys, it's been it's been a big push because there have been some pretty important games on your schedule. Uh, and let's get right into how things have gone over this this last stretch for us. Sure. It, 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 and I think you're right. Everybody has their different challenges or different crosses to bear at this point in this unprecedented season. You know, we, as we were going through the, the season, we've been so fortunate to avoid any, uh, any big issues are with it within our own squad. I, I give our, our guys so much credit for, for doing the right things and staying very proactive with the protocols and, and just some fortune and, and luck goes into that too. Um, and as some of the games were, were getting moved around, we were so thankful that we were able to find days for all of them, you know, and, and I remember talking at our conference coaches meeting um, about how, you know, this two weeks in March is so nice. We're going to play three games a week and we'll be able to get all our games in and you know, it's a nice buffer and keep some space open. And that sounded great until then you have to live it, right? I mean, we played five games in eight days and, and so thankful that we have these opportunities. But man, last night we... At, at halftime, one of our assistants, Coach Edwards, kind of talked about it had the feel of, of we can see the gas station there. The, the tank is on E. We're putting <laughs> in there. Like, we, we just got to get there, right? Um, it was just such an apt analogy because it, it, it's how it felt. We were just, we were tired. Physically, the legs were were were, were, were shaken. And, um, you know, it's just hard to get up emotionally that many times from the from the stretch that we had. With, with St. Croix Lutheran and Tartan being in there, two games that we really got up for. And it's not to say we didn't for the other ones, but but especially those were really, really important games for us. And our kids really did a great job of, of getting up emotionally for that. Um, and, and just the the resolve that it takes to not drop one of those. Individually, we probably, you know, if there's a Vegas line, we probably would have been favored in all the games. But that doesn't mean that they're going to that that's going to how it's going to come out just because your favorite doesn't mean so for our guys to to stick together and and different players making different plays in, in every game and, and sticking together and, and finding the way to to battle through and come out with five victories in eight days man I don't know that I've seen anything like it from a high school team yeah as long as I've been around well every every game is its its own entity but that doesn't mean that there isn't carryover or residual from a physical standpoint, like you said, from an emotional standpoint, uh, you can't just hit, you can't completely hit the reset button and just tip the ball and go again. It's not that easy, but you've, you've had a team that you've worked hard enough to get to a point where even if that's not the case, every time that ball is tipped, they're, they're ready to go and uh, they've taken care of business. We had talked about the attrition of this part of the season and trying to find a way to navigate it, staying safe and staying healthy. And just the, the balancing act of pushing because you guys uh, 
have goals and you guys have things in your sites that are historically, I wouldn't say unprecedented, but if we're talking about in the modern world that most of us have been alive in, hasn't happened here Mm -hmm. in quite some time. Knowing that you're chasing that, knowing that you're trying to stay healthy, you've been navigating that. And at times, uh, we almost see those two things push really close together in in certain situations. So can you kind of tell me what that was like? Um, Yeah, it's been a balancing act and a lot of communication with our guys and our staff and roundtabling it and trying to figure out, okay, what's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? Um, you know, we've had a couple ankles turnover and trying to, you know, communicating with Leah, who's been awesome, our trainer. Um, and as we were looking at our week last week, so we have Monday, Tuesday practice, Wednesday, St. Croix Lutheran, who had been on fire, the hottest team in the section, had just beat Columbia Heights and Richfield and was playing awesome basketball. So you knew that was a big one. Then we had Hill Murray on Thursday and Tartan on Saturday. And we're like, okay, we have Friday in there to get ready for Tartan. And again, as you look at it, that sounds awesome. Then you go and you have two games, and then you have Tartan sitting there on Saturday, who's the most physical team. It's like, well, we can't practice. There's no preparation on Friday. It's get a couple <laughs> shots up, don't turn an ankle, get some sleep, don't do anything that's going to fatigue us. You know, so it's it's just it's it's a, some of it's just a feel, um, and how hard do you want to push? And 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 sometimes you just kind of got to surrender and, and give it to the kids. And and to their credit, you know. We try so hard to prepare for games individually and, and take them one by one. But at that point, when you're playing Wednesday, Thursday, practice Friday, play Saturday, it's almost like, okay, we're turning this over to you. Like, we've done everything we can as a coaching staff. Yep. Now it's on you guys to just perform. Um, we're out of it. And they did uh, to the highest degree. I mean, the way we played at St. Croix Lutheran. It was one of my favorite games. And as I look back, it will. I, I, I'm confident it will be one of my favorite games just because they're so hot. They're, they have eight seniors. They are so connected right now, St. Croix Lutheran, how they mm. play. And just watching the film, like, holy cow, they are they are in tune with what they're trying to do. They're going to slow it down. They're going to defend their, their tail off. They're going to share the ball. They're going to shoot it well. And we get down 13 to 3 and 20 to 9. <laughs> and it just kind of, and it, they're on fire and they're, they're, their crowd's going crazy. And they have a student section, which is the first time we've faced that this year. Not one finger pointed, not one head dropped uh, from our guys. We stayed together, and by halftime, we're up by 12. I mean, just because the run was going to come, and they stuck together, and they stuck with the game plan. I mean, it was just, as a coach, it's like, man, there's not many times where you have a team that just does it. That, that it's like, man, if we would drop how we're going to win games, that was it. Yeah, It was just that, that little run. And, and for a team as connected as they were, St. Croix Lutheran, um, after about a 15, it was about a 15 to three run. You could see in it, its human nature, they, they started finger pointing when, when the threes that were falling started to come up a little bit short, they, they were tired. They were exhausted just mm-hmm. from that little stretch yeah. and, and the ball starting to fly all over the gym and we start to get to the loose balls. You can just see it kind of, kind of shift. And as a coaching staff, we know we've seen it enough times in yep. other teams. Now we're like, okay, feel pretty good now because it, it, it happened again. Right. Um, it, you know, and then you, you look at Tartan, and it, there was a couple of moments where we thought that same thing with Tartan. And um, not to turn that, I don't need to be his publicist, but it was fun to watch Mark Klingsporn um, kind of take control of his team. Every time I thought we had it, whether mm-hmm. it was a seven-point lead, a six-point lead, and, and some momentum, he just gripped that team tight and, and made sure that that game didn't get out of hand. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of fun to watch from the other side. It was fun for me to watch. I know that. And I was surrounded by a couple other coaches at the time, like watching and, and just taking it in and you hit it right on the head. I, I think he took three or four timeouts in the first half. Right. Just cause keeping that. And we've talked about this before. Like we've talked about timeouts and using those timeouts to either like stop that, stop the narrative that's happening. And just every time, like you said, the things could open up and things would get away. Like he would just pull, like mm-hmm. pull back in and like get his team kind of to lock up again. And it, it made it tough in stretches because they just wouldn't give it to you easy. Right. And, and completely right. And as a coaching staff, you're like, man, let's break this open. This is what we do. This is our time. This is our moment. You guys feel it. Right. And I'm glad we didn't in hindsight. Now, of course, in the game, I wanted to blow it open and, and, and 
close to a victory. <laughs> but it, it showed us so much from our team. We're mm-hmm. down at half. We we were up in the first half. We got down at half. We came back. We fought. We got up ten. They cut it down to five. Um, you know, every we couldn't relax. And every punch they threw, we punched back. And um, you know, so it was just it was fun to see those two different games from our guys because since the the last Tartan game, we really hadn't been in a close game. So it was good to get those type of experiences um, and and have those to lean on when we do get into playoff games where we can draw back on that. It's not something that we haven't done now. Remember the Tartan game when we were down like this. Remember St. Croix Lutheran. We were down double digits early. Stay the course. We know what we're doing works over the course of a 36-minute game. So I think that's the true value of that is being able to have those experiences to, to refer back to when, when times get tough. And in recent memory. This isn't right. some distant distant game that happened in December. These literally just happened on on – you know, two steps ago, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you're trying to eclipse the feel of playoff basketball, those two games are as close as you're going to get to what it's going to feel like when the stakes are the stakes are real. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we've talked about this from the very beginning. It was our first back-to-back with Hastings and Mount West Tonka. We tried to package these situations for our guys as – this is what it, what we're when we start playing for the games that we've talked about that we want to be in section championships and those types of things. This is what it feels like. Let's create this. The urgency is going to be picked up a little bit higher. The other team's going to fight back maybe a little bit more, especially seniors. But these are the moments that that we that we're looking for. Let's treat it that way now. And our guys have phenomenal. It's pretty awesome. Before we dive into. Some other highlights that we want to make for for your squad. Um, on the flip side, we had four games in the same stretch that you did. Everybody's playing mm-hmm. uh, an accelerated schedule, and if we're looking at how games have flown for us and what things have been like, every single game that we've been in over the last eight days has been one that's been really, really competitive, and we just have come up short um, in each of them for for different reasons. I think our girls are playing really well. They're playing really hard. And if we're thinking about the level of basketball that we're playing in stretches, watching it on film, it's some of the best basketball that I've seen since I've gotten here. And we're so close, but we're just not there yet. And at for a lot of teams, that can be really disheartening. That can be frustrating. And it's okay to feel frustrated, right? Mm-hmm. But what has been... Really encouraging is that every time that we take a punch, like we just get right back up and we get right back to it. And in every game, we are putting ourselves in chances to make a run and and to make it happen. Knowing that we've got two opponents left, Matamida is coming up here on Thursday for our both of our season finales. Uh, for us, that's a top ten QRF team in our class. And then we've got our postseason. We know that the what whoever we draw is not going to be an easy matchup, but it's a matchup that we feel like. We can compete and we we can make a run at knowing that there's only two games left. It's also one of those things that there is no there is no alternative to making it happen now and that sense of urgency and purpose. Uh, if we're just recapping, you know, some of the some of the highlights last night. We had visitation. You guys had STA, mm-hmm. which are basically the same school. Yeah. Um, and for a good stretch of that game, it was back and forth. It was very tight. And down the stretch, we took away exactly what we had designed to take away. And we end up getting down a little bit at the end because their eighth grade, their eighth grade starter ends up knocking down two threes. Mm-hmm. And it was their first first two threes of the game. Right. And even though that is a gut punch, you have to if you have to give up something, you have to give up something that has a lower probability, right? Like you can't let their best player beat you. If, if, if you're any team, you want to take away their best players. And we did that. And that forces somebody else to have to step up and make plays. And we can't be upset that somebody stepped up and made a play. You just have to play the odds and, and hope that luck just bounces your way. And you can, you can take one, right? Well, and, and when you're talking about you have to give, self, give up something, right? 
as a coach, all you can ask for is that you give up the thing that you choose, right? You dictate, you, choose. you dictate what you give up and then, then it's out of your hands. You control what you can control. And, and so you guys, I guess, would probably take some solace in that, and that if you drew it up, okay, who's going to get this shot that in the big moments? Well, it's going to be the eighth grader. <laughs> and then she did it. She just happened to hit him. Not right. only that, she's a premier, She's a she's an eighth grade post player. So, oh, man. hey, we have to. You have to be able to live with the decisions that you make, right? And right. You, you make a great point. Is you, especially if you're an imperfect team, like every team's flawed. Right. If you're being able to choose the way that a team has to beat you, and if they do it, you just have to you have to move on. And that was the message that we had last night. And I know that. One day practice for both of us is a quick turnaround, knowing just the stretch that we've just come out of. But there's still basketball left to be played, and like we're still in the hunt, and we just have to keep pushing. And luckily, this is a group that's very connected and very resilient. And every day they just come back and they just go back to work. One thing that's impressed me about your program and your staff this year, whether it was how the the season started with the entering the protocols <laughs> right away or whatever. Um, every scenario and every situation, you guys seem to have a, a plan for how you're going to handle it, whether it's a proactive plan or one you guys develop. It's never just, well, that's what happened. Here we go. Um, so how are you guys dealing with this situation where your guys are competitive, it's down the stretch, but you're not having the wins that you're having? How are you guys internally handling that and messaging to the girls and, and keeping it afloat to, to get to that playoff push? Well, I think the first part is, is that we all can see the things that are working. And so knowing that those things work, there is a, there's a roadmap to finding success. It's not, it's not that the wheels have all fallen off and that we're not doing anything right. Like we're doing so many things right. But if we're looking at how our roster is constructed and the matchups that we have, just we know that the margin for error is slim. And then there are just these things that we can look at and say we're not necessarily doing anything wrong but here's something that you have to take a look at and realize that because this happens like there's a reason why we we weren't able to to meet our goal a game in our last stretch i I told you we didn't have an attempted free throw Mm -hmm. in one of our games and if you're thinking about statistically how many games in high school basketball, college basketball, or professional basketball have existed where there haven't been a free throw? I got to imagine that we're talking infin- you know, an infinite percentage. Right. And if I were to ask how many of those teams that didn't shoot a free throw won the game, there might be none. I, it, truly. <laughs> I know I've never seen it. I mean, it just it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so we're, we're, we're understanding that there are a lot of boxes that we're checking, but there are just a few areas that we just have to make some small adjustments to, to help put us in a place where things are a little bit easier. We can execute a little bit better. And that when we get into that spot where you're at a crucial possession or something is needs to be executed, we have to be able to do it. And we're taking these tiny steps forward again and again and again. And as you talked about with St. Croix Lutheran and, and, uh, and Tartan, all of the games we played feel like playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. The sense of purpose, the sense of urgency, how competitive they are, even against a team like Hill Murray, who's number one QRF. You know, We were back and forth the entire first half. It's a single-digit halftime score. We're keeping them off of what they're trying to do, and we're executing our game plans we just need to keep pushing for 36 minutes. And if we're talking about a plan, we know exactly what we're trying to do. We're executing, but it's just executing at that right moment where at this point, the scales have been tipped against us multiple times. You just have to have faith and belief that if we just keep doing this and if we can keep taking small steps forward, that scale is going to tip and we're going to get something that we've been searching for for the entire season. Right. And that's, I mean, it's awesome, right? Because you guys are right there. And if you guys, the, the messaging sounds right. It's, it, if we can just do this and a couple shots fall or the threes from the girl who's an eighth grader <laughs> post player don't fall in the playoffs, 
we've put ourselves in a chance. We're right there, right? We put ourselves in a position to get those victories. And if they come in the playoffs, how awesome would that be? How awesome would that be? Everybody, everybody loves getting wins in the in the regular season. Hey, you know, anytime you can just keep putting tallies in that column, magical. Uh, if we were to think about preseason construction, we know that we've got a limited schedule, right? We didn't add any games that we didn't think were going to help us get better. We could have easily just went to, to the chalkboard and said, hey, where can we find some wins? Right. Are we going to go hunt and see if we can't get eight, nine, whatever? Like, no, that's not going to help us win the game that we want. That game that we want is next Wednesday. And we have been battle testing ourselves all year against teams that are tough because that's the only way that you win those games. There's there's no quality team that earns anything by looking for the easy way. And there's nothing about our team that there's nothing about their DNA that has made them think that the easy way is going to get us our goals because it's not. And you know that as well as I do, that if you're going to take the easy way out, like you're not going to get the things that you wish for. Right. As long as you're truly aligned with your goals, right? Some, And I've seen some teams and, and I think there's some value like early in program building to just get winning experience, right? But then your goals, you can't lie to yourself and say, well, I'm going to schedule easy wins and I want to win playoff games, right? It, the, you can't juxtapose those two. It's You have to pick one or the other. So if your goal is to win, I think you're absolutely right. If your goal is to win playoff games, you got to do it. You have to earn it throughout the season. And it's just a step-by-step process, unfortunately. Step-by-step process. Yeah. And you just can't let – you can let outcomes provide feedback for your next steps. Mm-hmm. But you can't let outcomes dictate the process that you've already undertook. And at this point, it, it would be easy for, and we talked, we just said, it would be easy to just say, well, we tried, we pushed, and this didn't work this way, this didn't work that way. Well, shucks. Right. But that's not, that, that train of thought, that, that thought process, that logic is not a part of who we are. And there's not a single girl on our squad that is thinking that way or believes that because it's we know that we're right there and we're still in this hunt. And at the end of the day, we've got 16 years that are going to graduate and they're going to move on. But even when we started having these talks in the off season over the summer through the fall, all the way leading to this point, when we found out we had a guaranteed season. Uh, the main objective, the destination that we're building towards is not just about this year. This year has been a gift. But if we're thinking about what we want long-term in long-term success and to change how this program is viewed, that is still in front of us and it's everyone's responsibility to continue to push forward. Even for the senior group that has a very finite amount of opportunities Mm -hmm. left in their careers, the bricks that they're laying in this foundation are crucial for us to achieve that goal. And it's it's really hard when you talk about not being able to see the fruits of your labor come to fruition, right? right. Yep. You've got a bunch of guys in your program that are so proud of your group this year. Right. Guys texting me, guys posting on Facebook that look at somebody like Marquise, right. who's lived the entire process um, in a similar way to uh like some some sports teams some college some college programs where they've been through it all and because of that and where you guys are now there's just this overwhelming elation and and pride mm-hmm. in your group and someday we're going to get there right and, and i think what you're saying is so accurate and and i i get so many messages now from alumni and even on the teams that weren't very good at South St. Paul, there was always a basketball player here or there, people that cared and, and devoted their 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 craft and um, poured their heart into the program. Um, you know, I have a couple, especially Nate Totino and, and Devin Moe and um, guys like that who I, I didn't get to coach. And so there's not as much care, but I can't tell them that they were part of the process, even though I'm sure they were. Right? Mm-hmm. They poured their heart into that. They knew Marquise growing up. They showed him that they they showed him 
the passion that they had for it and help put that into a, a kid like Marquise. Yep. Um, whereas in your program, you, you'll have the ability as, as you coach, you can tell these girls, the senior class, when you guys do hit the conference championships, those types of things, you were part of this. You laid those bricks, right? It's that delayed gratification. You'll get to have that relationship and bring them in and show them the fruits of their labor um, that I hope some of our alumni feel. But I, it's not authentic if I tell these guys you were part of this because I don't know that, right? I wasn't there struggling with them. Um, I don't know if I'm articulating that well, but it's just it's a it's a unique feeling. It's something as coaches we can we can show people, you know, your senior class. Okay, maybe it didn't pan out the way, but you were part of the process that led to the success, and that's our job as coaches to show people, um, you know, our guys. We talk to our guys. If you're the loudest guy on the bench and you didn't play a minute, you helped us win that game. Right. And that's not just coach speak. That happened. That's, nope. that's part of it. Right. If you're defending your tail off and you score four points, you may have been more valuable than the guy who scored 12 and had three, three or four turnovers. Right. That's yeah. our job to show them that. And it, it's um, one of the cool things about coaching that goes far beyond the, the wins and losses. Yeah. It's Miller McCollisterism. It's those drops in the bucket. Right. It, everything adds up. And it's those little contributions that everybody makes that, eventually get you to where you want to be and I think you did articulate it well enough and the the men that you're talking about that are watching your group that that sense of pride or like that connection is what sustains like a a, a legacy mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that you were the one to you're not the one that slayed the dragon, right? Like it might not have been your it might not have been your role. It might not have been your purpose. But if we're looking at the entirety of a program and if we're looking at how do you build something that is sustained and something that is worthwhile, you can't do it without everybody contributing those small pieces of their role in a in a meaningful way. And I know that if we continue to just keep making those small steps forward, that it's going to happen. Right. Uh, if we're if we're looking at last night, our our C squad has come a long way and and played really well in their f- super fun energetic group. They end up winning a tight game 42 40 44-40 somewhere in that range like they they've just grown such a way and I was watching them in practice on Monday I'm like wow like look at how much better they've gotten there the secondary reads the off-ball movement you know the the even the mannerisms in which they're making their moves it's like they weren't doing that two months ago mm-hmm. it they're, they're they they they're growing and they've had some success our C squad uh played really well last night our JV Another tough win. They end up winning by six or seven in a very tight game. And so we're seeing even our younger levels continuing to compete, have success, and foster that competitive drive to just keep pushing. And that's what you want to see as a program coach, right, is you want to see all of your levels being competitive. And I know for you guys, like the JV team for you is a team that, early on in the season had some struggles and down this stretch here they've improved and they've been able to compete and they they've gotten some wins that if we're talking six weeks ago you probably said they wouldn't wouldn't have been likely that they would have been able to do that but that's that's what you want to see it's that passion that hunger that your all of your levels are just making those leaps forward yeah building a true program right and that's something that that Coach McKenzie always used to talk about. Any team can pop up and have a good team, right? It, it just random happenstance, one group, one class of kids who are good. The the, the expectation of what you should strive for is to have a good program, and it's, it's that carryover throughout the programs. And, it, and I, you're right. I mean, the job Darren, uh, Coach Edwards, has done with, with our JV is I can't say enough. I mean, I know he sometimes gets frustrated with the – the wins and loss total, right? But the if you look at the the continuum of where they've been in the trend line, I mean, it's it, it's it's been fun to watch um, him work and and just giving him his space and and how he's kind of you know they always say that a group takes on the the personality of their 
their leader and I mean just the, the how much tougher they are he's our certainly our toughness coach <laughs> you know we all have our roles yeah. and, and how much tougher they are now than they were from the beginning of the season has been pretty cool it is so if we're looking at our programs over this stretch which has been quite the adventure for both of us what would you like to kind of pinpoint and highlight for this week you know, a, a young man that we haven't talked a, a lot about um, and who's been vital to us and who's just been awesome is, is Sean West Simple. Um, he came to us this year, new to us, um, but had known some of our guys from, from AAU and um, just being around from the neighborhood. And, and so he came over to us and um, has just quietly played his role. You know, he's he's unbelievably skilled. Um, we actually have a, a Division two school coming in to look at him today in practice. But it's it's been his personality. Um, had he stayed at North St. Paul, he probably would have been the best player, leading scorer. Um, comes here and Alonzo, um, you know, gets the publicity, and rightfully so. He's almost averaging a triple-double. And then Devin Newsom's here, and, and he's a, a Division One recruit. And Sean doesn't pout. He doesn't force shots. He doesn't – he just plays his role. And whatever his role is that day, and it, whether it's it's knocking down – 28 footers like he did to start the game last night, which we, uh, you know, as, as a coach staff, we kind of look at each other like, oh, that's a terrible shot, but he can make it, you know, like, so we have to give him some, some freedom um, or, or facilitating. And, and it, he gets his hands. He's not, uh, he's just such a laid back, mild mannered kid. And I think I may have said it before. I mean, in 10 years, if he's not surfing on a beach um, <laughs> and, and just kind of living that lifestyle, I will be shocked. Um, but, so he, he's not that, that tough in your face defender, but man, he gets his hands on a lot of deflections and just, he just has a nose for the ball and a, a sense for it. And he's so, so adept at finishing with both hands in transition. Um, and just how he hasn't rocked the boat, you know, I mean, he could be averaging 20 points a game somewhere else. And, and he's in the mid teens here and, and just content to play his role and fits in so well and pushes our guys and keeps us loose. And, um, you know, so he just, it's those type of personalities as you're, you're talking about your team and the pecking orders and, and how it all has to fit in to create something like we have. And, and he, he just, he does it so well. And I, he does what he does so well that I, I don't have to think about him a lot, which is uh, one of the best compliments I can give him. You know, I don't have to pull or push or prod. He just, he's there and he's steady and he's smiling and, and it's pretty awesome. He's a very unique young man. Yes. And an important part of your your group and just watching him in the Tartan game. Obviously, I've had limited limited opportunities to see you guys in mm-hmm. action, but just watching him in stretches where you've got a, a turned ankle for Devin, a turned ankle for Alonzo happening in a, in a series of minutes and just how fluid he is. And he's just as a as just a basketball guy watching him, just a unique skill set and demeanor, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I thought that Devin was the Cali kid. Like, he's the one from California. It seems like uh, we might have flipped the DNA a little bit right. between him and, and Sean. Exactly. For us, I wanted to highlight uh, one of our JV players, Jenna Sherry, who started the season with our C-Squad, the freshman, uh, spent all summer with us working on her game, and if you're just looking at that mindset of continuing to plug away, continuing to absorb and just take feedback and to use the tools that your coaches are giving you to elevate your game. I mean, she is just taking step forward, step forward all season long. And it culminated last night in a very close game. That as the girls on the bus on the way home were saying, and like she, like she took it, six threes, uh, knocked down some free throws in crunch time, and just so intelligent, and just has such a great basketball IQ that she just does things that you look at and you're like, man, like at that age, at that age, mm-hmm. incredibly encouraging, and she went from being on our C-Squad team to being the girl that people look at on our JV team to to lead them to to win. And that doesn't just happen by chance. That is a testament just to what type of a awesome young woman she is and just how 
how much she applies like her her will and like her her hunger to just keep getting better and she hasn't shied away from that and uh, I'm just really proud of her I know coach Green our JV coaches is thrilled with the growth that she's had and it's very encouraging that she and some of our other girls on JV have kind of been battle tested over this season and kind of been put in some roles that in a in a different season or a different program maybe they don't get those opportunities and we both know that like iron sharpens iron and knowing what is leaving us it, it makes me feel better knowing the types of players that we have on that JV group that get to slide up and knowing that even though they might have not gotten varsity time because in this season we made the decision to keep them entirely separate practicing separate you know we constructed these rosters to make sure that at every single level the girls that are on that team are going to have to be the ones that make plays because if you if you build that muscle and it, Sean is a good example he could be the number 1 on another team and because of that he makes his role on this team so much more valuable because at any given point he can make that play that a number one right. would have to make on another team. And he doesn't have to do that every night. He doesn't have to do that every trip down the floor, but he's ready for it because that's the type of player that he is. And when you have four or five of those, you're going to win games. Right. And it sounds like it's a good example of what we were talking about earlier and just a program. Right. As you're building a program, you want young ladies like Pat in it, not only accepting their role, taking their role, taking on new challenges, but um, what a great example you can use for other people. She started as a C team player, but through hard work, dedication, buying into her role, performing, she moves up. Right. And, and that's that's what you want from your program. You're, nothing static. Be, be a dynamic basketball player. That's how you create dynamic programs. And the last thing I'll say to that point is, is that Nobody benefits from being protected from having to experience failures in order to learn from from them. If 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 you want if you want to stack your team and you want to take away opportunities for those players on your JV team, my JV team, C squad, whatever. If you're if you're not giving them those opportunities to go through failures and experience the ups and downs and to learn. Like they're not going to grow enough. And one of the things that we've really been committed to at each level is making sure that when we, we're constructing our teams, that we construct them with the intention of you have to learn how to be able to make plays. You have to learn how to be able to handle adversity. We can't protect you from that because if we're looking at the end goal when you're a junior senior, that's what we want. Like right. That's how we know that we've gotten to where we want to be. If we're if we're playing cupcake games when you're a junior or senior, that that's not what any of us are searching for. We want to be in the dog fights. We want to be in those games that are going to be tight against the teams that, for recent history, have been the teams that we've always been chasing. Mm -hmm. And all I all I can say to these girls is is that like they need to start hearing your footsteps like coming to the door. Right. And this year is just one of those one of those progressive moves towards that until finally like they open it up and we're standing on the on the front door pretty cool stuff <laughs> i love it so uh if we're looking at how things are shaping up knowing that we've got a regular season finale playoffs are here mm -hmm. seating will take place over the weekend first rounds begin for you guys on monday Next week, first round for both of us where we're on the floor is Wednesday. Knowing the journey that we've been on, not even dating back to game one, knowing the journey that we've been on since March of last year. It's been a year since we've been living this life of, of COVID. And it's hard to wrap your head around that it's been over a year and that right now we would have been on spring break. You guys would have been... I'm trying to think of where you guys, you guys would have been getting ready for. I'm trying to remember if we just I think played you just, our. I think you just wrapped up. We probably your just wrapped Angels. up our season. Yeah. I was on my honeymoon in St. Lucia sure. thinking that life was great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, you know, we'd come back and things would be hunky dory and life had other plans. Right. 
So we've been on this journey and we've all had our sights set on the postseason. Every team has their sights set on the postseason. Uh, knowing that you're here, what thoughts do you have about what's in front of you in the road ahead? Um, just such an amazing opportunity for our young men. A amazing opportunity to be able to play through this pandemic, to be able to, I mean, you think about all the people that help put this on and the gratitude that we have from our program, from athletic directors to bus drivers that, you know, are sitting on a bus, which is, you know, a close confined, they, the, that refs volunteered to be out there. And, um, and I say volunteer because they're not getting paid enough, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> they're not getting paid <laughs> not enough. To, not enough to deal with me. I know that. Um, uh, so, it, you know, just kind of overwhelmed by some of the gratitude and just how awesome it is. And, and, what what great life lessons for our young men that can come out of it and through tough situations and, and having a bizarre summer where we're outside playing at a court with cracked concrete you know I mean <laughs> it just it, to 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 be here and have a 17 and 0 season and a conference championship for the first time we sat in the locker room and I tried to put in perspective for our young men what it meant to be conference champions for the first time in 51 years and you can say they like think of all the players that have come and gone and, and done this, and the guy, the best way we as from a basketball perspective could put it in perspective for them was the leading scorer in the NBA the last time the South St. Paul Packers won the conference championship was Jerry West, and all our kids know that name for one reason not because he was getting 30 points a game in 1970, yeah. but because he's the logo of the NBA. <laughs> so this man, who is now the logo of the NBA, was still in his prime getting Playing. buckets the last time South St. Paul won a conference championship. That was able, that kind of hit home to our guys. Not only did he was in the middle of his career, finished his career at such a high level that at some point later in his career, they put him on the logo of the NBA that now is the only recognized logo for the NBA and has been for so long. He was still doing, applying his trade on the court when the last time South St. Paul won something. And I've tried to impress on our kids. There is nothing in my life that I will do that hasn't been done for 51 years. There's just nothing that I will do. So what a cool opportunity. And to do it in a situation that is born out of adversity, man, that's awesome. And that's, to me, what the whole thing is about. Um, yeah, we love winning and all that other stuff. But the win, other than, like you had mentioned earlier, other than a tally mark, is a win. It's one and done. But if you, it's the bigger messages out of it. It's It's the... You guys stuck together through some tough times. You guys chose to be here, chose to be in this group, opted in. We had some young men opt out because of, of the situations. Their families just made those decisions. Yep. You guys took the chance. You guys um, made the decisions, weighed the pros and cons, stuck together, did some awesome things. And now you have lifetime memories from it. And not only memories, but, but skill sets that can carry you through adverse situations as you go on into the quote-unquote real world and things that you can draw back on and you know, kind of like we talked about now uh, earlier in the podcast, we now in our immediate future can draw back on the lessons we learned from Tartan and St. Croix Lutheran. Mm -hmm. Our young men, when they get into adverse situations, whether it's in college or whatever, can look back to this year because it was not all easy or great or what we put on the, the highlight reel that is social media, right? Yep. The, the tough practices, the tough times, the tough conversations, and how we all chose us. We all chose to be St. Paul Packers, so St. Paul Packers. And it became pretty awesome through all the messiness of, of a pandemic and, and everything else involved. That's pretty awesome. And now we have a time, an opportunity and a space to go do more, which is which is cool. That wasn't the culmination. We have such an, an awesome uh, thing to hang our hat on already. And now we have a chance to go build on it. Pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. There's not much else that you could insert any... Any other descriptive, you know, phrase that you could, it ends up being the same thing. Like it is special. Yeah. And like you said, the, the most important thing that you're trying to not lose sight of is that there is more, and that all of those things that you just discussed. And I can't even, I can only think about th those boys in that locker room last night and. 
trying to put that in perspective and just some things it's really tough to wrap your head around until you hear something that puts it into a frame, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jerry West thing just blows my mind, but <laughs> it did ours too, right? It just <laughs> the context of it. Well, at least it wasn't George Mikan. Like you, you could have <laughs> went, <laughs> but uh, knowing that and just to doubling down on the appreciation for what this season is and what what it's meant and just how how much we've all learned about the value of of what's important and what what helps us get through hard times because everybody everybody has went through struggles even a team that is undefeated has went through struggles and nothing has been perfect and it's all about how you handle those struggles that that it ultimately dictates where you where you find yourself where you where you find your destination or wherever your end goal is it's what you're doing through all of those things that will decide where that location is going to be and knowing that there is more for you guys can you just walk us through top to bottom what your section looks like if the season ended today knowing that there are a couple games left if the season ended today what comprises your section and where do where do, where do people sit Sure. To me, as we talked about it last night in the locker room, there are tears. Um, We think that through what we've done, we're the number one seed, 17-0 and and number three in the state in the QRF. Um, And then right below us is St. Croix Lutheran and Richfield. And for the longest time, it looked like it was going to be Richfield 2, St. Croix Lutheran 3. Well, now it's a lot closer. I think they're within two spots of each other, the QRF. St. Croix Lutheran is playing really good basketball. The last time they played, they beat Richfield by mm-hmm. 10. Um, and the last time St. Croix Lutheran beat Columbia, or played Columbia Heights, they beat them. Richfield plays Columbia Heights tonight. So that's still kind of shaking out, um, depending on how the results of the week. But those will be two and three. Um, and then four and five are Holy Angels and Highland Park. And again, depending on how this week goes, will determine kind of their order as we see it. And then some combination of St. Thomas Academy, Henry Sibley, Harding, and Bloomington Kennedy round out that, that last group. And um, again, we'll have to sit down and, and give it the, the respect that it deserves and try to parse out who goes where. Um, but that's kind of the, the tiers of it. And with, with home seeds, I believe what looks to be the home seeds have all said they can host or the, the high seeds, uh, rather, can host, so we won't have any funky seven seed hosting a three seed or anything <laughs> like that. Um, so it should be pretty normal that way, but what a, what a great advantage the home seed, uh, the, the, the high seed getting home games is for us. It's really cool to play at, at neutral courts or whether it's McAllister or, or what have you, mm-hmm. but the advantage surely is. I mean, if we can get the section championship in our house, is it's it's a big deal. Um, so we're pretty excited about how that all shakes out. And there's a lot of good teams. Richfield's loaded, um, and they're just such a complete team. I mean, you look at something that looks like a college basketball team from two guards who will play college basketball to mm-hmm. a six three forward, six 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 eight on the front line. I mean, they just have the look of of what it looks like, and they're athletic and they can shoot it. If you're looking at skills and dimensions at each position, they basically have the box checked at each uh, at right. each level, right? It's just the traditional one through five, and <laughs> it's so rare to see. And I mean, all of them. And I know they have a couple football players in there too. All of them could play college basketball at some level, you know. Um, so they're just such a complete team, and and Saint Croix Lutheran is so connected. We talked about that before. So that the top three teams are are all state caliber teams, in my opinion. So it'll be fun to see how it plays out. And, that you know, Holy Angels and Highland Park. Highland Park has a group of seniors who has played together for a long time. Um, they just had a huge win over St. Paul Johnson, which is the traditional power in their yeah. conference. And um, Coach McCall has them playing really well, too. So after that first round, and that's no disrespect to the first round games, but after that first round, once you really pare it down, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to see how it shakes out. Competitive. Yeah. How about you guys? Fascinating how a pandemic has really made what is not in any year a very straightforward process because the politics that come into play, right. uh, conference conference teams aligning with one another, 
and QRF, the information and input and the lens that you can look at section seating with has a very wide variance. And anybody that has been a head coach and lived through it <laughs> knows that that exists. Uh, there's there's no mincing words about it. And there's no committee that gets to build the bracket for you. The coaches are the committee. Um, it's it's an imperfect system. And the one thing that I would say is, is that I'd much rather do that than have to officiate our own games. So another <laughs> right. shout out to how, how much we appreciate the job that officials do. Because there's one thing that I pray never happens to interscholastic athletics is that we get to a stage in, in sports where there just aren't officials that we can right. rely on. But that being said, our situation with QRF is unique in that our, we have three St. Paul schools, Como, Highland, Harding. They've all, and all St. Paul sports have elected, for the most part, to stay in-house and to keep within their own league, which has limited the amount of games that they've played and the quality of opponents that they can have on their Mm -hmm. schedule. Right now, Como is undefeated, and anybody that looks at their team from the outside in knows how talented that they are. And when you're undefeated and you're talented, uh, it usually bodes well. I think that they'll be the one seed. St. Croix Lutheran is a very good team that has played a very tough schedule and is continuing to play that tough schedule right now. They play Holy Angels, Monomedi, and Hill Murray, all top 10 QRF teams this week. So they're not they're not ducking anybody right now, and they're trying to get ready for playoff basketball, and they're a very good team. I'd imagine that they'll be the two. And then after that, it is just an onslaught of opinion and subjective lens work Sibley and Sibley have almost identical records when it's all said and done Sibley will have played more games and I think therefore will have more wins but they split their regular season matchups Sibley winning the second game and I think that that would yield itself to maybe them being the three over Sibley but that I don't know because if you're looking at QRF they're literally spots apart and they still have games left on their schedule uh, visitation is right there. The one thing that knocks against them is that Sibley beat them convincingly last week without visitation's best player. So now you're you're putting your thoughts in a vacuum saying, well, if their best player is playing against Sibley, is it a different game? Does the outcome change? Who knows? And then there's us, Highland, and Harding. And for me, I feel like we fall into that sixth seed knowing the the quality of schedule that we have and knowing how tight a lot of our games have been against quality opponents. Uh, if you were to ask everybody top to bottom out of the, the three schools, Harding Highland and us, I guarantee that every single one of them that's above us would say that they do not want to play us out of the three. Sure. And for me, I think that's the tiebreaker is when, when the chips are down, which one of these three do you not want to play? In reality, that's the team that should be above. Right. Doesn't work out that way? Certainly not. Not every time. No. Uh, nobody benefits uh, from doing that when you're thinking about your individual pathway to a section championship. Every team has is looking at it through their lens. What benefits us? And that's something that's beyond our control. And I don't know how that plays out over these next three or four days, but I know that whoever we end up drawing as an opponent, which could easily be three or four teams, depending on how this voting shakes down, we've played in and have been in it against all of them. So I think all we're looking to do is to take this next game on Thursday as an opportunity for your dress rehearsal. Montemita is a really good team. That's a team that if they were in our sections – you're going to have to beat if you want to get to the section championship. And we have to treat it like that. And if we can uh, get a win or if we can play tough against Montemidae, that is going to tell us that we're ready for whoever we're going to play on Wednesday. And just having those couple extra days to get your legs underneath you, to game plan. The one thing that our girls have done really well is they have executed our game plans and know exactly what they need to do. Then it just all comes down to whether we can Right. Or that we can't. And that gives me some peace of mind, knowing that 
it's not going to be that they can't execute our game plan or they don't know how. You don't have to worry about mentally whether they're going to be in that space or not. I know that they will. It's just whether you can do it long enough that the scales tip your way or if you can just make a couple more shots to where you you get it. Like, you catch it. <laughs> right. Once you have that buy-in, everything else is possible, right? It's when they start deviating from the game plan or something like that where you start worrying about um, about the results or things could, could go sideways for you. But as long as you keep that buy-in, it's, <laughs> it's fun. You know, but hearing you talk about this, it's one of my favorite times of year, you know, in the, in the, uh, for the NCAA, one of the biggest, uh, talkers, you know, sports, sports radio talkers is who got snubbed, who should have made the tournament, who didn't. And by the time you get to the championship, nobody's talking about who nope. the 65th team is. It doesn't matter. Doesn't it's, matter. it's fun for to talk about for a little while. Um, it, similarly, we, as, as our little nerd group of, of high school basketball <laughs> coaches have those conversations that about seating. nerdy group right? of yes. high school coaches. Well, that... Nobody else cares about this stuff, but it's just so fun to sit down and, and uh, parse out the, sit down with uh, schedules and results and QRF and all the factors that go into it. And like you said, because it, it is nebulous. There is no section by section. We all have different guidelines. And even within our section, some of it is, hey, these are the factors to consider Go do your best. Yep. Um, so it's just it's it's one of those fun exercises where we can all just try to figure it out. And there's some gamesmanship and politics and all of that stuff. And it's fun to talk about and people can harbor. And I think you've mentioned it before. We can do a whole podcast on some of the horror stories of, of seating and, and conferences ganging up on the outsider and all those things. Um but ultimately, once the ball gets tipped up, we just have a play. Have you a just got to play. play. Play some more basketball. It would be a fascinating universe if uh, the same thing were to be done at at the college level. Just like, hey, you guys right. are going to vote on seeding. Uh, you, <laughs> Could see, you imagine? These, these coaches get to vote on uh, you know who's making it to the tournament, what the seeding is for conference tournaments, uh, yada, yada, yada. Like, what, a, what an adventure that would be. But it is just... If you're in this and you're living it, like it is a very, uh, it's one of the best times of the year. It so, just really so is. Cool. It's there's just so much juice that goes along with with this part of the season, and you gotta embrace it and you gotta love it. And at the end of the day, the ball's gonna go up and you're gonna have to play, and yep. everybody gets that shot. You know, nobody gets nobody is out of the postseason, right? Everybody's gonna get their shot, and because of that, anything can happen, and you have to have that that mindset that everybody's zero zero come next Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just makes me really bummed that we are at the end of the season because it's like, this has got me juiced up again. Bittersweet, right? It's, it's so fun. The culmination of it all, but there is the finality, right? You know that that pretty soon, even if, if you play as long as you can, pretty soon it's going to be over. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't feel, it wouldn't feel this way if it wasn't right? right. It is, it is that, It is, it is that just tangible feeling that you know. And I sent in a text last night to one of our players is that it can be seven days, it can be 11 days, it could be 14. Either way, like, you can see you can see it. at the, like We are there. There's no hypothetically down the road. No, it's, it's right in front of our faces. It's, it's as real as, as anything. And even then... Knowing how close we are, nothing is guaranteed, and you still have to take every precaution, and you still have to be as committed to all the things that have gotten us here. I mean, shoot, you had you had whole conference schedules say, "Yeah, we're not going to play our last two games." Right. <laughs> it, people understand how as as whatever the narrative is in a in. The, in our local news, in, in our state, as far as where we're at, like all of us hang by a thread right now. And, mm-hmm. and knowing how much, how much tense, you know, tense energy and anxiety comes with that, like this is, this is it. You just have to lean into it. <laughs> lean in. Well, coach, uh, I think that just about does it. We are at time and it's a shame just because 
this is one of my highlights of every week. Right. Uh, as you as you wrap up your season, as all teams wrap up their seasons in the in the coming days, uh, the season is a gift. It's it's been awesome, and you know, I'm wishing uh, you guys the best of luck on your quest. And I know that you guys are going to be ready for however things shake out to begin next week. And appreciate you, man. You too. I, all the hard work. I mean, this has just been been awesome. What a what a. Uh, speaking earlier about the things that can come out of adversity, I, I one of the ideas for this was just to categorize or catalog a a unique situation, and this has been one of the the great things that has come out of out of the pandemic. Absolutely. For those that are listening, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll be back next week for another episode of the In Season Podcast. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. But if you've enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe and follow SSP Boys and Girls Basketball programs all season long. And find me and Coach McAllister on Twitter at SSP Coach Junker and at Coach M. Mack. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to everyone that is a part of our SSP Hoops family and community for making our seasons possible. Until next time, this is Coach McAllister and Coach Junker, and we'll catch you next week. Go Packers!